Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remember that old saying, power corrupts. Hello and welcome to Second Officer Slog, episode 40. I'm your host, Adam, and with me is my number one, Jackson. Hello, it's time to talk about Star Trek. Yeah, we got a new episode of Discovery. You know, these are just the weekly ones. There's no, there's nothing else to talk about. Oh, actually, you've been watching a bit of Voyager. How's that treating you? I have been watching Voyager. I've watched seven episodes of Voyager so far. I've got up to Eye of the Needle, which is the first good episode. That's really good. Um, the Voyager's been, obviously, not, like, not great so far. It's probably my least favorite Star Trek show, at least at this stage, and it's... Uh, uh, in where it is at. I like Enterprise probably, no, definitely a lot more than it deserves, but I do like Enterprise a lot. Um, and anyway, uh, Voyager's fine. You watch the Star Trek, uh, it gives you a light mystery. Uh, people kind of yell, uh, techno babble at each other, and there's usually, at least so far, not really an emotional beat to any of it. You didn't uh, like, you didn't like the phage? Um, the what? You didn't like the phage? Uh, I mean, not really. Oh, well, bad news for you in the next two seasons. If they could bring him back the Phage people, or they just more... Yes, the Vidians uh, are a regular race for the first two seasons of the show. Uh, I mean, they're fine, but they're, they're just kind of like, oh, look, aren't they so tragic? They they have been stealing people. They, they teleported his lungs out. That part's pretty they're... cool. It's great. It's the most horrific thing that's ever happened. Uh, yeah, and it's played as like a comedy bit. Like, I, well, no, it just play, it plays as a comedy bit. I don't think they think it's funny. Oh, that's just because everything that happens to Neelix is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I um, like Neelix a lot, but him losing his lungs is really good. And then him getting so upset that the doctor is, like, talking to his girlfriend that he almost dies, also very good. That's also very funny. Um, the doctor in the second episode becoming a weird squashed yes. uh, like video feed is very good, because they can't even squash the video feed per- properly, so it's even funnier. Yep. As he's, like, one foot tall standing on a chair, that's great. Yep. Um, all the Doctor stuff is good. Yeah. Uh, I Needle's a good episode. I'm enjoying it just fine. I can put on some Star Trek and, you know, let it tonally wash over me. You're a couple um, episodes away from probably my favorite episode of season one, so... That's good. Uh, I know the next... I think the next one was the last one I watched way back when I tried to watch Voyager, and... But I had just come off of TNG and DS9. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, and I was like, oh, I need to stop watching Star Trek for about six months, yep. at least. Yeah. Um... And, You've done that. Uh, that was like three I years ago. That. That, that, that was uh, six years ago. Okay. <laughs> that was 2013. All right. Because I watched TNG and DS9 over the summer of 2013. Yeah. Uh, God, that's so long ago. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> um, Void is fun. Glad I'm slowly uh, working my way through the first season. I will hopefully speed up a little as we go on, watch a couple episodes every week. These next few months are going to be not that fast considering how much else we've got going on. Uh, yeah. And after that, um, it'll be it'll rise up the list of things to do. Yeah. Um, I I like Harry Kim. I'm surprised at how much I do. I know he's meant to be the boring one that no one likes, and I assume he remains that, uh, given his the fan reaction to that character. But they've, there's a couple of times they've just settled on him being the really weird one. Yeah. That I've really liked. The the problem is his like two states are the weird one or this Asian nice boy who plays clarinet and talks a lot about his parents, which is icky. 
Uh, yeah, like that stuff's boring and weird, and especially when it crosses over into the weird stuff because he just like randomly, like completely unprompted, goes, "I remember being in my mother's womb." Yes, there's and some like, yes, there's, there's some stuff where he also comes across in the same way that like LaForge is written as like a weird disaster, like romantic character. He gets a lot oh, of that yeah. stuff. Of course, they put that on him. Yeah, because they can't just not have that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's um it's fine. It's Voyager. Everyone knows, I assume, but me. I'm gonna. As like, as like, depending on how you feel about Keiko O'Brien as the second or third major Asian character in Star Trek, he gets short shrift. I feel like. Oh, that's a. (laughs) Oh, that's a bummer now, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thinking about that. Yeah, it's Sulu. It's Keiko, maybe. Uh, It's Harry Kim, and it is Hoshi Sato. Um. Bad I mean, times for Asians in space and Star Trek. We got a new one. Uh, that's true. We do have Phil Bajorju. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's that's the the Voyager catch-up minute. Maybe I'll I'll let everyone I'll bring in my catch-up to these episodes because it's not going to be very long episodes. So I'll let people know what yeah. I think about the episodes going forward. Telling you I, where my head's at with Discovery these days. You were like, we have a new one now. I was like, oh right, Reese. And I, I realized you're talking about Georgiou. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm talking about Jojo, <laughs> you know. who is two people yes. <laughs> making a significant percentage of the important Asians in Star Trek. Yes. Um, I guess I guess she's tied with Hoshi Sato for a number of characters. <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. Uh, right. We have there are like six Asians in all of Star Trek, and two of them are the Emperor of the Evil Universe. <laughs> God. Uh, yeah. Like we make do, it's not it's not a it's not a particularly uh, forward thinking show at least at the level of things it is. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, let's talk about discovery this week. Um, this week's episode is called New Eden. Uh, it is written by um, well, teleplay by Vaughn Wilmot and uh, Sean Cochran. A story by Akiva Goldsman and Sean Cochran, directed by Jonathan Frakes, and it is set still in twenty two fifty seven. The longest yeah. year in Star Trek. Absolutely. Until you get to whatever the the, the right the year right before the uh, Romulus explodes in the books. Yes. <laughs> uh, but that's that's uh, that's that's the details of the episode. And um, what happened this week? So the Discovery's still looking for the red signals. Uh, Burnham comes in and tells Pike about the map she got from Spock and is like, what's going on with my brother? And he's like, well, your brother checked himself into a psychiatric facility at Starbase 5 three months ago. Let's not talk about how that doesn't work with the timeline at all, because three months ago, the Enterprise was actively ignoring the war by being out in space. Um, uh, and, and the Federation yeah. was on fire, so there was no one being checked into anything. Uh, they should have just put a time skip between these seasons. Yes. No one can. Yes. Um, then they couldn't have the ending of last season. Yep. If they could have just had that happen again, that would have been funny. Um, they decide to go after the next uh, signal. Unfortunately, that signal is in the Beta Quadrant, very, very far away, like hundreds of years at warp far away. Uh, Pike's like, my unborn children's grandchildren would be lucky to get there. Um, and Tilly's like, well, we have a spore drive. And he's like, oh, right, we totally have a spore drive. Let's use the spore drive. And then she goes and tells Stamets, oh, it's time to use the spore drive. And he's like, shit, I didn't want to do that again. I don't want to keep seeing my dead husband every time I do a thing. Uh, and she's like, well, uh, you know, it's awkward. What are you going to do? And so he agrees to do it and then doesn't see his dead husband. So he's really mad about that. Um, yep. Or maybe he he comes out perturbed <laughs> and there's nothing we see about what happened to him in there. So it's yeah, 
Uh, it's a really good scene. I like a lot of stuff. I, yes. I'd, I, we'll get to the summary and we'll talk about the stuff at yes. the end, I think. So they come out of a uh, spore jump in a on a planet that looks like just like Earth, just a nice little planet. Weird. Um, no weird red thing, no giant asteroid, nothing. Just seems kind of chill. Um, and there's uh, a very decayed and old distress beacon uh, broadcasting that is human, and on the planet are like like a couple thousand maybe humans spread out across a bunch of uh, like small civilizations no sign of like energy like much less warp like they are an agrarian culture and they look at the camera and they see that it's just like a church and some people living a life and they're like well we have to go down there and see what's what and then uh pike's like absolutely not if they are from if they like somehow ended up here and don't have warp technology the first direct the prime directive still applies general order one still applies this is tos era um yes and burnham's like they're humans how could you say that and he's like how could you say that as a vulcan who understands what logic is and she's like damn you got me um <laughs> and so burnham pike and awoshakun all decide to go down there because awoshakun apparently comes from a luddite colony on earth so she has experience with yeah. pre-warp civilizations excuse me i'd like to know some more excuse about this me. <laughs> yeah this is just an offhanded line but it is something i need to uh, where's the book about this yes the please Oshakun's give me the book? joanne awoshakun book Right now. Yes. Oh my god. Uh so Awoshakun, Burnham, and Pike all beam down in the most like civilian garb of Star Trek possible. This show <laughs> instantly just looks like Enterprise again as they beam down like this. I love it. I love it. Uh and they beam down to like a nice little village. It just looks like a weird like like Quaker town. I don't know, it's nice. Um they come across they go into the church and start examining these things, and there's a bunch of stained glass windows that depict them. Uh, they depict Earth in World War III, and then they were teleported here by a strange red angel that looks a lot like the red angels that Burnham saw. Um, and they took all of their religions and mushed them together into one religion, because uh, they have like a stained glass thing with Jesus and like a Buddhist symbol and the Star of David and stuff like that. Just a lot of stuff going on. Um, yes. And uh, before this, Pike has mentioned... It, Early on, he was talking to Burnham, trying to, like, you know, level with her, make a new friend. And he's like, I understand how hard it was for you growing up on Vulcan. You see, my dad was both a scientist and a comparative religions scholar. <laughs> Which is not the same thing as being raised by Sarek of Vulcan, I think. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> he's he's doing his best. Pike's doing his best. So Sp Pike comes in and he's like, oh, a church. I know what a church is. I'm all about churches. Uh, Burnham's like, I've read every... I, I'm aware of Earth religions in the most, like, <laughs> condescending way possible. Awashakun... Her family is non-believers, so she has no time for this bullshit. Doesn't know what's going on. Doesn't care. Um, yep. And they find uh, some people, and they, they are in the village of New Eden, which is just like an agrarian village, and everyone seems kind of chill. And they're like, oh, is this going to be the like religious zealot town that they beam into, and everything goes really bad? And the answer is no, because it's a better show than prior Star Treks. Yes. Um, and the situation is relatively simple, actually, is that these people were transported here 200 years ago during world war three by the red angel thing uh they have proof it's on a helmet that a soldier had that is uh they can't fix it but uh it's there for the uh discovery crew to fix um uh burnham wants to take everyone out of here because they're humans and they deserve to live with the rest of humanity uh pike's like absolutely not these people have created a new civilization for themselves we can't just rip them out because we think they're us uh they would not appreciate that and 
by and large, the village seems like they would not appreciate that, aside from one person whose name is Jacob, and he uh, is the person who's been tending the distress beacon that's been broadcasting for 200 years, and he is excited to see these people and instantly is like, oh, you're definitely from space. Uh, and Pike's like, no, absolutely <laughs> not. We could not be from space. What is space? How could you even say such a thing? As uh, Burnham is biting her tongue cling off, clean off, trying not to say anything. Um, uh, there is... Uh, so... As Pike keeps refusing that they are from space, Jacob throws like a flashbang at them to try to get them to stay in his basement and talk to him. Um, It goes off and damages them. And then while they're like passed out, Jacob steals all their stuff. Um, As they go to get it back, they're in a big argument. And as this happens, a child picks up the phaser and accidentally sets it to overload. Pike sees it, dives on it, and it explodes, blowing up most of his chest because apparently Discovery's whole thing in second season is we are going to tease. This is how Pike gets in a wheelchair every episode, and it's going to be hilarious hilarious to me and me alone <laughs> uh but to, to pike getting in a wheelchair is that that is explained in the episode it happens like a week before the menagerie yep but they're still gonna <laughs> pretend that you don't know and honestly you probably don't so they're just gonna be like you know pike's in a wheelchair we're just gonna do something horrible to him every episode <laughs> <laughs> but because they too have read memory alpha uh they will not allow anything to happen so we're just gonna get this every week i maybe you're right this might be a good running gag <laughs> yes i hope it's a good running gag um he wakes up on discovery and he's fine but they've all had to be emergency beam out so uh, a couple people have seen them beam out and they're like, oh, it was a miracle. They were saved. Um, the There's a name for their religion. What was it? Let me scroll down. This is uh, the memory alpha here is not like particularly well filled out, um, but they did name this planet. What did they name it again? New Eden. City's New Eden. I had all this stuff in. It's been a while now. Um, do you remember? I, I said the name of I the mean, place. She's the, she's the old mother or something. No, the name of the planet. No, the planet. No, I don't remember. Uh, Terralisium. Terralisium? Yes. And they are the, it's like the Church of the Second Saved or something like that. There's a word oh, here. Oh, there is a word. Oh, yes. we've, we've messed this one all the way up. Uh, the First Saved is what they're called. Okay. The first yes. Saved. Because they're the ones who were taken out of the, what they think was the destruction of Earth in World War Three by like an angel that saved them all the last moment. Uh, which, um, going by what happened, basically, yeah. Yeah, it's basically what happened. Uh, Anyway, uh, Pike comes back. He's like, oh, I guess we'll have to go down there and talk to them and get that helmet because they don't have the helmet yet. And Jacob has it. And uh, he's like, I know what I can do. I can talk to Jacob and tell him what's true. I deserve to tell him the truth because he's the one person who doubts and worries about whether there's humanity and thinks we're from space. And if I tell him, he'll be happy and I can get the helmet from him and everything will be fine. Uh, And he beams down in his like uniform to meet in Jacob's basement and he gives him a like a perpetual power cell that they have uh, in exchange for the helmet because this place doesn't have power used to doesn't anymore and no one's quite trying to fix it to make it have power again Um, so everyone's happy to get power it's not like they're luddites they just don't all their technology broke down Um, and then he leaves with the helmet and he shakes hands with jacob and he's like i hope i'll see you again jacob's like you will don't worry about it uh so i hope that's true and beams out the B plot of this episode. Uh, yes. While all B this plot. happens is the whatever signal happened that they didn't see has caused a bunch of the like ring around this planet to start to descend into the atmosphere, and it's going to kill every everybody on the planet if they don't. If Discovery doesn't do something. So Saru uh, and Tilly have a plan. Uh, oh, 
during this, Tilly is like trying to examine the giant asteroid they caught last episode and gets a little piece of it because it's dark matter. It's incredibly dense. So like one little rock, like crushes a table. It's very cool. Uh, and she gets a little core sample, but the, there's like a weird electric, like energy discharge that throws her across the shuttle bay and is real bad. And she wakes up in sick bay, um, and is ordered to bed rest, which she immediately doesn't do. And a like younger cadet starts following her around. Um, I don't remember the name of this character. Do you May? remember the name of this character? I thought it was May. May? Okay, thank you. Um, but if I'm wrong... Yeah, no, it's May. Uh, May okay, Ahern. Uh, yes. yes. Um, and so Tilly's playing off her as Tilly is being manic and ridiculous as Tilly is wont to do. Having someone even more wide-eyed and innocent to play off of, which I can't believe they found someone more ridiculous than Tilly uh, to be the Tilly sure of the did. Tilly. <laughs> they absolutely did. Yes, um... Anyway, um, she talks to her about her plans. Uh, what she thinks that they can do is use the incredible density of the asteroid to, like, sling it near the ring debris that's falling to the planet. And that can be pulled, that can pull it up out of the orbit and into space where it will be harmless. And she's like, I think this will work. And all you got to do is do a donut. And Kayla Detmer's like, yeah, I could do a donut with Discovery. That'd be cool as hell. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. And then Saru Killjoy is like, but you'd have to get into the debris before you do the donut. And Kayla Detmer's like, I can't do that, actually. That's too much. And she's like, don't worry about it. I could, we could just, uh, no, what happens is Stamets walks in and goes, what if you did a jump? And he's like, oh, I see you've been abreast of the situation. He's like, I keep my ears open as if he didn't see this in a future when he was in the jump. Like, that's clearly what happened here, but we don't find out about that right now. Um, yeah. And uh, he's like, I'll do another jump. And then he does another jump and they do the thing and they pull the debris away. And that happens. Everyone's saved. Uh, and then Tilly is like, oh, I did it. I should go talk to my friend. Um, and she's like, what's her name again? And she pulls it up and it's a name from her yearbook. It's someone she went to school with. And then she asks the computer uh, where she is like on the discovery. And this person, uh, the computer mentions there's no person by this name. And she asks for broader Starfleet records. Apparently this person died. And so Tilly is hanging out with a ghost. Uh, that's, I think, all the plot points that's here. That's it. That's the whole. That's the whole episode. Burnham does tell uh, Pike about the Red Angel vision she had last episode, which she had been keeping secret, uh, and that's everything. Um, yeah, it's a great. It's a great episode. It's this is the most Star Trek the show has been. A A plot, B plot, random um, group of uh, like people on a planet that don't have technology for weird religious reasons. Um, but the religious reasons are not like there's that episode of DS9 so where the lady is yeah. like uses like a dampener to keep all the technology from working because she believes in like a weird Luddite religion and but throws Cisco in the box and almost kills him and stuff. Like Star Trek is so wrapped around the religious humans are always like weird zealots that are bad for this to just be a civilization that is carried on and is fine. Just fine. Yeah, you, like they're making you it happen. To see this this Star Trek form, but in such a different, more assured and um, less like rationalist condescension like, like, yes <laughs> yeah because it um it's really cool to see burnham placed as the traditional star trek viewpoint and obviously wrong yes she just comes in doing like oh i've read the text on religion this is obviously everything has a scientific explanation but the main science guy on the planet is like the most devout believer of the because like, he's just like i believe you will come back for me one day he just happens to be right there's nothing yeah. that really different about him uh than the rest of the like people there and the show is very clear about that yep. 
And it casts Pike as like continuing his like sixtiesness. He is a person who like is invested in the idea of religions. Like you see, you yes. see Pike, and you understand why like Kirk sometimes makes weird oblique references to God in a way you're like, oh, this is just a sixties show. It's like no, actually, some of these people just kind of find this stuff fascinating. Like retconning that to be like just a thing that humans have held on to as part of their culture is really cool. Um, yes. like there's a scene where he beams down and they're having like a service and it's like a weird amalgam service of a lot of stuff going on, but it does end with like the most Protestant, like peace be with you. And then Pike's like, and also with you. And I was like, I recognize this as a person who was raised Lutheran. Yes. This is how everything ends. Um, and him just being a guy who's really excited to hang out around some people who still believe in a religion is very cool. <laughs> yeah. And the way he like turns it on and Burnham looks at him like, like she's witnessing something she's never seen before just by someone yes. being able to talk to them like yes. not in this condescending way it's yes. really good yeah um, uh pike really is a standout in this episode like holy shit i can't believe i just think christopher pike is like the best starfleet captain <laughs> well he's incredible because we got like there's multiple levels that his stuff is working on right because you've got the stuff on the um surface where he's just incredibly empathetic and um you know, connecting with these people, but also using that to tell them what they can and can't know. Yes. Uh, and then also trying to, like, um, tell, like, get uh, Burnham to open up to him and tr- get him to trust him. And then on top of that, you got the second <laughs> that there's, like, the even vaguest hint that they might need it. He's like, ah, we're going to turn the spore drive back on. We, I know we said that that was, oh, that was a war thing. We're not like that. Uh, well, it was specifically, it right was like, Starfleet said we, we're not supposed to use it anymore. And he's like, well, Starfleet wants us to get this done. I think Starfleet will be fine with me making this choice. Well, he's right. Yeah, but when like he also sp- when he also goes to break the prime directive, when he's like, "I'm going to go tell Jacob," she's like, "What about the prime directive?" He's like, "Well, the d- thing about being a captain is you decide what the prime directive <laughs> applies and doesn't apply to. That's literally the job. So I'm going to exercise my right as a captain and go down there. Just because I didn't <laughs> want you to do it doesn't mean I can't do it. That's how this works." <laughs> yeah, uh, it's very good. Um, um, also, like- he literally gives a Lorca speech about context. <laughs> He li- well, I mean, like, this is what the episode at this point of the first season was. It was yep. like Lorca saying context is for kings and yes. we can't decide, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, there's no absolutes because we have to decide what to do based on the information we have. Uh, and Lorca uses it in monstrous ways. And the show does not think Pike is like, it's, it's reverent towards Pike. He's a great, he's like a good person who cares about things. But it also knows that he is like in service of just the same shitty <laughs> ideas Yes, like him and Lorca are the same person. Like this is what Starfleet captains are. Whether that is a good thing or a bad thing, implies is entirely on who is being who is interfacing with that captain at a given time and what that captain's goals are. Yeah, because like we came around on Lorca not because we thought he wasn't evil, but like his point of view is very consistent, and uh, he, as by the standard of what Starfleet captains should be, was not a bad one. Yeah, just so happens that he also is like the second in command, uber racist of the mirror universe. Yeah, but that's so incidental to, like, what Starfleet is. Yep. Um, and Discovery layering all these things on top of each other and not... Like, you would think these... Especially with how they're handling Pike, that there would be some kind of, like, drop. And, oh, it's secretly the bad one or whatever. Uh, but instead, it's very comfortable just to layer these things on top of each other and let you just deal with the messiness of it. Yeah. Um, he's the captain of the goddamn good. Enterprise. Like, you see him, you're like, oh, this guy's the captain of the Enterprise. <laughs> he is the captain of the goddamn Enterprise. Nothing is more true. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you just get long conversations with him and Burnham about their like approach uh, to belief, uh, and it's it's all I want. It's they're in a meeting room talking about what they think about God. Yeah, now there's a ready room. It's not the Lorca's ready room. It is a different ready room because they have to take a turbo lift there. But they just have a meeting room where him and Saru and Burnham are having a conversation like it's TOS suddenly, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. It's all I've ever wanted. Yeah. 
and Pike's like, you'd say you're all about logic, but well, you know what's going on? It's not that different. Yes. Uh, Pike also offers the, uh, like Clark's third law has apparently evolved in this century. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So uh, Clark's third law, if you don't know, uh, R.C. Clark, it's the line about like any significantly advanced technology would be indistinguishable from magic. And apparently now the reinterpretation that humans in the 23rd century have is that any extraterrestrial technology that is advanced enough would be indistinguishable from God, which is the perfect interpretation for atheistic Star Trek, but not the most pedantic bullshit thing in the world. Like, of course, this is the viewpoint of the people who saw the wormhole aliens and decided they were wormhole aliens and not prophets, right? They are the wormhole aliens. We yes. shall call them the wormhole aliens. They don't even get a name. We don't know how they work. Aliens. Apparently, they can see everything and do whatever they want, but those are just aliens. That's just how aliens work. <laughs> yeah, just textual, legit gods that have clearly got, like, divine powers in at least some respect. Ah, wormhole aliens. Picard thought he died. Q came to him in the afterlife and was like, I'm God. And Picard went, pish posh, of course you're not. <laughs> <laughs> that did happen. Yes. Uh, God. Uh, yeah. Good. Leaning into this stuff as like, this is just where the Federation is with faith is just a nice nuanced look at this stuff in a way I didn't think I'd get out of this Star Trek. Absolutely. And not just like where the Federation is, but like le- have, choosing to uh, portray Burnham as the focal character of that. Yes. Um, which is so, like, she comes from such a more specific context than humans in this century are more evolved now, which is Gene Roddenberry's stupid idea. Um, Instead, having her being a result of two very disparate cultures colliding in a specific way and that giving her a very firm viewpoint yeah. um, that she will refuse to break for anything, and but somehow decide that her refusal to break her viewpoint is good and logical. Everyone else's is wrong and misguided. Yes. <laughs> uh, which, you know, I get it, but come on, Berto. Yep. Um, what else have we got? We got Stannis being sad. We've already covered that. Um, I really like that scene with Stamets uh, yes. and Tilly after the jump. Like him just walking out, because you think you're going to get the whole, this might lead to a plot with uh, Culber showing up, because you know he's going to show up one day, he's in the cast. Yes. Uh, but instead he just hard cuts and he walks straight out. Like, oh, I love Stamets. Yep. Poor boy. Um, uh, we got Kayla Detmer being really excited about piloting. She's great. Uh, I love every time they get her something to do, but uh, her being ex- exuberant about piloting a starship, very cool. I like that a lot. Uh, a donut. Yes. Donuts are cool. The Discovery also. does a donut. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the main thing that we have left is Tilly uh, having Tilly a ghost, ghost friend. Uh, the ghost parade is here. Choo-choo. Join the ghost parade. <laughs> that means nothing to half the people listening to this, Jackson. I'm sorry, but the ghost parade caught an asteroid. I can't not bring it up. <laughs> um, if you listen to our Gundam podcast, you know what we're talking about. Jackson, very excited about the ghost parade catching an asteroid once again. Um, Using an asteroid to catch the asteroid. <laughs> yes. Uh, Tilly's like manic sick bay, like I'm problem solving. I've had espressos is so good. I love her so much. I was very, uh, not worried, but after the first episode, I felt like Tilly was much more broad than in the first season. Yes. Because uh, they know that everyone likes her. Yes. And I, I don't want her to just become a cartoon version of this. I want to see her grow. I mean, they're uh, definitely was... writing for Mary Wiseman to be extremely charming because they know that she can knock it out of the park now. She can. She's yes. incredible at it. Um, but I don't just want her to be the, you know, I'm ditzy one. I'm funny all the time. Uh, and this, this lent into giving her a little bit more emotional uh, stuff than last week and it was good. Mm. Like, Tilly is ridiculous in a cartoon. She doesn't know which way she's running out of sickbay towards, uh, which are good bits. But also, she's brave and foolish enough to, like, 
try to get the core sample of an asteroid that could kill the entire ship by herself. Yep. Uh, uh, the scene with Saru and Tilly, we didn't mention that in the summary because it's not important to the plot, but after she's in the sickbay, um, Saru comes up and is like, you gotta, you gotta chill. Yeah. Like, uh, and, 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 and like, not in a mean... No, he's, he's, she's like, way. she's like, am I kicked out of the command training program? He's like, no, uh, but you're the youngest person who's ever been accepted and I understand what it means to be the first to do anything uh, as the first Kelpie, and he's like, you, I, I, I understand more than anyone. I took so many burdens upon these slender shoulders as he touches his shoulders, and it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. <laughs> uh, and he's like, you that's have to true. understand you can't kill yourself trying to be exceptional when you already have been acknowledged as exceptional. Like, people know that you are special. You don't have to kill yourself to prove it. Uh, and then she's like, okay, I understand. And then the minute he leaves the room, stands up, has six coffees, and tries to fix everything. <laughs> And then after she saved the day, Sarah comes over to her and is like, you know how I said to, to never disobey my orders again? Maybe it's good that you disobey my orders. Uh, do you want like a do you want like a drink or something? You seem kind of pale. She's like, no, I just need to leave. I'm about to pass out. I am injured. Uh, the difference is last time she tried to do the asteroid stuff completely on her own. This time she told everyone else. Yes. Uh, which is the right thing to do. But her <laughs> running in in her like medical gown to the yes. bridge and stumbling about is great. Uh, yeah, Tilly's the best. Yeah, Tilly. Captain Tilly. Remember how, like, she's written in the first of the show, and you're like, oh, they're definitely not sure what they're going to do with this character, and suddenly she's become everyone's favorite. Everyone's, everyone loves Tilly. Who because doesn't We love should Tilly? all aspire to be like Tilly in life. Uh, I love her perhaps too much. She is me. Uh, that's fair. Uh, I'm Saru. Yes, you are. <laughs> Good or bad. Yes, you I'm are. I'm a Saru. Mm. A little too rude. No one's bad. Um. Uh, no, I, you know what? I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like, because I love Burnham's character, but uh, as like a protagonist of the show, she's very like not relatable. She's so specifically wrapped up in Star Trek. Yes. But... I mean, I like her a lot. I understand her like completely. And that's the thing I really oh, like yeah. about her is like the point of view character. It makes sense of who she is. Um, I just, you know, what that is, is like very specific. And I don't know anyone who lives their life like that. It seems, it seems incompatible with having a good time. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes. Unsurprisingly, yeah. she's not having a good time. <laughs> she's not having a good time. Yeah, no. God, I hope Burnham ends up happy by the end of the show. She will. Yeah. Um, this. Uh, remember how we were talking like last episode? It's like, oh, this one was clearly very expensive. This episode, again, clearly very expensive. There's an amazing shot of like the discovery, like upside down, as the camera like pans like around it and up like through space as it's about to do a jump. It's just the coolest thing in the world. They lean very hard into spending their money on the big establishing shots. Yes, which is all I really need. Because it's like, a, that shot's really cool. I like that shot from the last episode where it pans from the Enterprise to the Discovery, like, yes. in- interior. Yep. Uh, just incredible space scale stuff like that. They're a big fan of... I think this shot was just in it last season, and they have a series of shots for the jump that are like... Um, you know, oh, the one that's like the on the ring as it's spinning. Is the that one that's the... on yeah. the ring as it's spinning. Yeah. That was definitely their luck, but that's one of their shots they always use. Yeah, because uh, the jump's just uh, an animation that they used with multiple backgrounds. It's yeah. uh, Pike just uh, casually being like, uh, "Black alert," I guess is what you say, right? Black alert. Yeah. Let's do that. Black alert. <laughs> uh, it's good. Uh, the dynamic being working out that Sarah took the um, space mystery uh, and Pike went out with the away team, which is, I'm sure won't happen every week, but is uh, like. It makes this two-captain situation make a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Yeah. Because uh, Pike's in charge. He knows what to do about like the real things in the plot and interfacing with the other uh, communities. But anytime he's got to, like, someone needs to command the crew, yeah, Saren I'm, knows how to do that best. But also, like, Pike is definitely, like, the 60s style. The captain always beams down with the away team. He's leading it kind of guy. And Saru is definitely the more TNG. Like, the captain sits in the chair and tells everyone what to do kind of captain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they are the, the two captains are here. Yes. And they're on the show together. Yeah, it's great. Star Trek Discovery is great. This is pr- my second favorite episode probably of Discovery so far. It's exceptional. I loved it so much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these two episodes have both been in my like top five easily. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that the show, like, this is just good. If the season, if this season is going to be this good, then it's going to be better than season one by like a pretty hefty margin. And we like um, season one a lot. So yeah, we're big fans of season one, but like this, this show's good. In a they way, figured out how to make very... it like more Star Trek in a way that doesn't betray what came before, but really is just like a good episode of TNG. You're like, yeah, they went to a planet. They helped these people. It's great. They talked about the prime directive. <laughs> a lot. Yes. It's all I want. Yep. Next week, the Klingons are here. The Klingons are here. I'm so excited for the Klingons to be here. I need to see Laurel. Yep. I'm ready. I'm ready for Ash Tyler and his big beard. <laughs> his big old beard! Uh, I'm also excited to see his facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that one. <laughs> uh, hero week. <laughs> Uh, I think that's all I've got. Like this one went short, but it's just a good episode of Star Trek. There isn't a whole lot to get into in the weeds here. Yeah, I think that the um, the structure of the season being a big blip appeared and sent us to a Star Trek episode was like very obvious. We knew that was going to be a structure even before episode one. Um, but it it works surprisingly well. There's like um, a version of that that you could feel just feels cheap. Yeah. Uh, as they layer J.J. Abrams style, completely irrelevant. Um, myth stuff over the episode yeah uh, but it ends up feeling very good and smart so far they have 14 episodes and things. seven locations they have to visit like it's it writes itself yeah it really does <laughs> yep um Spot yeah that's yep. uh they do mention at one point and this is the one thing to talk about before we finish here that world war three killed 600 million people that's too few oh. people <laughs> Right, we we can't go this entire episode without talking about World War Three for five minutes. Yes. Uh, so they bring up World War Three. Yes, which is uh, a thing that happened in Star Trek, supposedly sometime between twenty twenty six and like twenty fifty something. Yes. These people were beamed uh, out in like twenty fifty three, which is which towards is the, end the end of, the end of World War Three. But that's not how they describe being in World War Three. They make it sound like this was like as the bombs were falling for the first time and they were delivered by the angel. Um, I'm just I choose to assume that that means like in their areas yeah I don't know who can say right because uh, the World War 3 thing is like a messy Star Trek thing that has been like contradicted by multiple things yes but that always leads to the most interesting situations so World War 3 is like this five uh, not five 50 25 year conflict from that um kills like that has multiple nukes it's a multiple nuclear conflict leaves uh like you go to montana in first contact and it's just rubble it's just rubble and 12 yeah. people yeah it's like a, it's um, like a couple facilities and they're really afraid that like they like some europe they they have a name for it but like some weird like european government that probably doesn't exist anymore is here to drop a bomb on them uh because most of the major governments and cities are destroyed or all of the, like in the canon of star trek all of earth's governments are destroyed by this it's just like people in camps now 
Um, I was looking through the World War Three uh, wiki page, and there's, there's some interesting stuff in there. Like, there's like a proto federation type thing formed, like like not a United Na- like United Nations sequel thing formed in the middle of the war that ends up being a complete disaster. <laughs> okay, is that the thing that um, runs the like uh like weird um what do I want the uh trials in because those are post war wars. Those are the nuclear yes. holocaust like yes, ho- trials. That is from that stuff, and um, okay. Picard's like, "Yeah, we got over that bullshit years ago." <laughs> yeah, uh, but no, no one gonna ever references World War Three that much in Star Trek because it's just a crazy thing. But it is crucial to everything about the franchise. Yes, the the thing that led to Star Trek happening was we killed each other. Yeah, a there lot. was there is a only a percentage of humanity was left on Earth, and then they all just uh, the warp happened, and the Vulcan showed up. And they're like, "Oh, maybe we should get our act together." Yeah. And then the Vulcans were like, yeah, we, we knew about your big war. We didn't really do anything. Yeah. You, you didn't have warp left yet. It was against our policies to interfere. And so humans double down on making those their policies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someday That's we'll good. get into some Enterprise stuff and we can talk all about the bullshit of Vulcan. In oh, that era. I was just thinking about how much I miss Saval today. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what would Saval make of Michael Burnham? <laughs> what what's i mean he he's he died so um we don't he doesn't get to he's he can't be there with old DePaul. no but oh god what would civil make a bike about him yeah i don't know he, he'd probably get on really well yeah probably he'd be like he's oh already... i always knew humanity would achieve its best self when it dropped all this emotive bullshit it got really into he was logic <laughs> best friends with um uh, what's that admiral forest yes yeah he's already like best friends with him yeah how much would Jonathan Archer hate Michael Barnum? <laughs> oh, uh, it, hmm. Absolutely depends on whether he's her captain or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Because he'd just be the locker. If he yeah. can use her, he loves yeah, her. That's true. You're not. You're not wrong. You know what's good? Enterprise. You know what's also good? Discovery. I guess Star Trek's just good. I guess Star Trek's just good. The thing about Star Trek is that it is good to think about almost all the time, even if it's bad to watch. Yeah. Right There's now, it's really few... good to watch. So Yeah, no, now it's both, and we get what we actually want. Uh, there are only a few things in Star Trek that are both bad to watch and think about. Like, yeah. don't even lead to interesting complications in how problematic they are. Yeah, Nemesis, uh, that's, Code that's of Honor, stuff, stuff like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, it takes Picard being like, you know, it's it's good that you're getting mind raped to Troy. That's yeah. the level that it has to be. Oh, God. Friend watched Nemesis yesterday and was recounting it to me, and I was like, oh, "What is hell?" Yeah, it sucks. If the the worst part is they if they gave it to like Frakes to direct and he had just like made a couple tweaks, it'd probably be a totally fine movie. Yeah, it wouldn't be great, but yeah. it'd be like, you know, they fight a guy and it's the last one. I'd probably like it more than First Contact because First Contact's got so many problems. Uh, yeah, I mean, so does Nemesis. They just have to take the problems out of Nemesis. Yeah, no, I know, but like they take out that stuff with Troy and make Shinzon a little more interesting. And yeah, I think you got an okay movie. All the data stuff has to go. Just get rid of it. Jesus just, Christ. Just fucking get rid of it. Yes, no, that, I mean, that was all Brent Spiner's idea. Yes, of course it was. Of course it was. Um, but no, that should just have gone. God, what a terrible movie. Yeah. That's remember it. I think we're done. The, yeah. Remember when that was the worst thing that happened to the Romulan Senate? Goodbye, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. everyone. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Um, you know where to find us. Star Trek Podcast.space. We'll be back next week for episode three the the brightest star is that what's called is point of light something do you remember point what it's of called light. yeah point of light uh klingons very excited to see some klingons yes uh until then uh we'll see you out there